Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Talking Chop Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. As always, it's a pleasure to be with you. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. You obviously can find the Talking Chop Podcast and the Daily Hammer Podcast and the Road to Atlanta Podcast, all a part of the Talking Chop Podcast Network at TalkingChop.com and at Talking Chop across all forms of social media. When it comes to the Braves, Here's the latest from Atlanta. In today's episode, I am very happy to welcome Corey McCartney, who obviously writes the Starting Nine article each week for talking for TalkingChop.com and is also one half of the great duo with Grant McCauley, who does the Battery Power YouTube episode, Talking Chop's YouTube channel show, breaking down all things when it comes to the Braves. Before we get into my discussion with Corey McCartney about his latest Starting Nine article, article where he looked at some under-the-radar potential additions for the Braves that could be great additions to supplement the young core here in Atlanta. Yesterday, obviously, was a very busy day for another NL East team, and that, of course, was the New York Mets. The Mets adding three veterans, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, and Starling Marte, to their team for the present and the future. Of course, Marte is the big signing Four years, $78 million. In my opinion, a very good gift for the Mets. The Mets did a very good job of adding a trio of talents that not only are going to make their on-the-field product better, but also are going to be great additions for the clubhouse. Some versatile options that can be used at different places that are really going to deepen that lineup. And of course, Marte being the marquee name added to that mix. I also want to mention that the, a few of those names, Marte and Canna, are briefly referenced by Corey McCartney in this discussion that I'm going to have with them. Of course, at the time we recorded it, though these signings had been not made official, but now, of course, they are. But besides those two, both me and Corey get into some details about some fun names that could be added by the Braves. Moves that would be along the lines of what Alex Anthopoulos has done in the past. Names to supplement the great amount of talent that's already here, but names that certainly could play significant roles in the success of the Braves trying to defend their 2021 World Series title. It's great to welcome Corey McCartney to the show. Corey, how are you doing today, sir? Absolutely. You too. I'm, I'm great. I was actually just down at the, at the battery, and I will tell you there is a rabidness still with this, this fan base. And we're up in the Braves Clubhouse store, and that place was, I mean, it was insane level uh, shopping going on in there. So Braves fans are still absolutely feeling it more than a month out from that title. 
Gotcha. And it, it, it's crazy. I, Grant, I mean, Corey, I know that you and Grant McCauley, y'all have offered great insight for myself and others for years when it comes to baseball and the Braves as well. But just real quickly, just has it sunk in yet? Just, just how amazing is it? I know you and Grant have moved on, obviously, talking about offseason stuff, but I'm sure y'all could still put together a three-hour episode or so about how awesome it feels to finally be, you know, fans of a World Series champions, as well as folks who cover the Braves as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it still doesn't feel like it, it I guess it hasn't completely sunk in, because I can still remember, you know, being around the, the team and being in the clubhouse during the lows of the lows uh, with this squad, and then you, you think about, you know, where they're at now, and the way it all just kind of just quickly came together. I, I just don't think you thought this was going to be the team that did it. You know, obviously, you know, you can paint as many uh, storylines as you want to about the way things looked after the Acuna injury, and and all that, but it just never, it, I don't know that I would have thought this was going to be the team that was going to get this thing done and all that they had to overcome. And it's, I just think it's, it, it, I mean, it just still boggles the mind that we're talking about a Braves championship with all they had to go through. But of course, the great thing about winning a title in general is with the Braves, you look at this team and, and I would think that some people say, and, and I'll agree with them, in their championship window that they have, though they're four years into winning four straight division titles, it may have happened a bit earlier than people expected, especially with the injuries to Soroka and Acuna. But the thing is, is that with with, with us winning the title, our championship window is still very much wide open. And you jumped into some ideas of how to supplement a lot of the core that's going to remain with the Braves for years to come with another great article. Corey writes the starting nine, one of my favorite articles in terms of all Braves coverage, looking into many different aspects of baseball. But this week, some bargain ideas, some ideas that can bolster the starting staff as well as the outfield. And Corey, before we get into specific names, just from reading your article, I would assume me and you are in agreement the two areas where the Braves really need to focus on improving or at least getting some quality depth is the outfield and, of course, the starting rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly, you know, you obviously everyone's, you know, waiting on pins and needles for the Freddie Freeman contract announcement to come. And I didn't want to dive too much into what, what do you do at first base if by chance he doesn't uh, return, because I just think that's something no one's really willing to consider right now. And, you know, it's, it's such a, a shallow market in terms of first base. I mean, Anthony Rizzo is really, I mean, it, it, there's just nothing there. So, you know, I think obviously you're you're going to be looking a lot more at starting pitching and outfield. And I don't, I mean, while they could supplement the bullpen, I don't think that's as much of a priority. I mean, I, I mean, it, it was just so fantastic during the postseason and, and so few holes there, but I think that they need to consider uh, some stuff, especially, you know, with, with what they pick up in the outfield. I don't think it's, and Alex Antopoulos told us this during the regular end of the, regular season or end of the season availability with him and Brian Snicker that it's it, they don't think they're going to be able to return all those guys they got and I, I think Jack Peterson in particular is going to be looking for uh, an everyday job and, and can you afford Jorge Soler coming off of the the postseason he had can you afford him and Eddie Rosario off the postseason that he had so I think you know why you think consider Black Friday and everybody's out hunting for bargains I mean that was kind of the way to approach this was all right, where, where can they kind of go that's maybe not that real high-end uh, you know, spending that you would expect or hope for a defending champion? And, and where could they maybe find some, some bargains and try to fill those roles in some unexpected ways? 
So let's look at some of these names and the name that stood out to me as really being a player profile that you've seen Alex Anthopoulos really put an emphasis on. We've seen it with Dallas Keuchel. We've seen it with uh, Cole Hamels. We've seen it with Drew Smiley. Really only one of those, you know, to some extent worked out with Keuchel a few years back. But you bring up the name Danny Duffy. And another name that I like is James Paxton, though with Paxton, there's a little bit more injury concern. We know we've got uh, Max Reed, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson in the rotation. It seems like Alex Anthopoulos likes those veteran left-handed reclamation projects, and Danny Duffy, Duffy certainly stands out as that. I think it was a very astute observation for him being someone that could make sense for the Braves to go after. Yeah, you know, I think he does. I mean, I think he fits a lot of what Anthopoulos likes to do, and he, you know, he is a guy that that is is going to go out there and try to find you know, that name that not everyone's talking about, and that one that kind of flies under the radar. But, and I think Duffy in particular does because, you know, he obviously was traded to the Dodgers last year at the deadline, uh, you know, but he was dealing with a, a flexure strain. He never came back. Um, you know, there's been one report that he might need reconstructive surgery on his elbow. I mean, if that's right, I mean, we're, we're maybe talking about a cons- completely different, uh, you know, how how appealing he would be as a free agent. But I just think a guy that, that's done what he's done. You know, think about last year, even when he did pitch 13 games at two five one ERA. I mean, he's he's at you know had a 29.1% whiff rate last year. It's been an average of 25.6 uh, since 2016. I think he's just a guy that fits that mold. I, I almost think he would be a, a higher end version of what you got with a Drew Smiley last year. I know they're not they're not completely the same in terms of you know what they do, but I think. You know, getting that guy who's been there, done that, but feel like he has a little bit more in the tank. If the elbow's good on Duffy, I think he's, when you're looking at the entirety uh, of this free agent class for starting pitchers, I think that's a guy that you could look at in, in a year from now and say, man, somebody got extreme value getting Danny Duffy on the cheap. And we also know that the Braves really do like their left-handed, you know, potentially above average to high strikeout ratio opportunities. Danny Duffy always has kind of had that, not necessarily now like he did earlier in his career, but if he's an arm you can land, he maybe can give you 125, 150 so innings, but if he can fresh arm, that could be a difference maker in the postseason. You've also threw out a couple of other reclamation projects in John Gray and Michael Pineda. For different reasons, post-type names, Pineda had some good success with the Yankees. Gray's never really fulfilled his expectations, but both of them, you don't have any type of qualifying offer, um, you know, penalties with them where you have to give up draft picks or anything, but some really fun names that could fill out the rotation. I think John Gray may be a bit more pricey than Pineda, but those are guys who certainly have shown the talent in the past within the brave system being, of being able to help guys recognize their talent. I think either one of those guys would be great gets as well. Yeah, and I think you, you, I mean, nail on the head right there. I mean, I think that's the thing with Gray, right? I mean, this is a guy who, you know, obviously he's pitching Coors for the entirety of his career. I mean, actually, weirdly enough, he was better at Coors last year than he was on the road. And I heard uh, Paul Bird told me this years ago that, you know, when you pitch at Coors, it's not the starts in Coors where you're you're affected. It's actually the ones afterwards because you have to to work so much harder to get your secondary stuff to, to break the right way. When you're uh, at Coors and it kind of impacts you when you get back on the road or you're, you know, in his case, on the road or for somebody else when you get back to being at home, uh, the, just the, the atmosphere and, you know, how different the, the pitches will break. So uh, just interesting to me that he's been more effective in Denver. But this is a guy, I mean, he's been durable. I mean, it, since 2016, he's in the top 15 in the NL in innings pitch, strikeouts. 
uh, yeah, he's probably going to be a guy that you're going to be looking at trying to get a multi-year deal. I mean, certainly the Rockies did not uh, extend him a qualifying offer. And I think that he, he had mentioned last year, he actually wanted to stay in Denver. So maybe they end up working out a multi-year deal to keep him with the only franchise he's ever known. Uh, the flip side of that though, I think Michael Pineda could be really uh, kind of an intriguing option here. I mean, this guy, you know, I mean, he, we've seen the highs of the highs with him. And then obviously you've seen somebody who, you know, had to sit out with a PED suspension, but um, you know, he, he's a guy that even last year when he was struggling, the, the, the whip is still really strong. Um, I just think that he's someone you could get on the cheap. Uh, you know, unlikely in my mind to, to be around that $10 million mark. You know, maybe that's what he made the past two seasons, but coming off of his struggles, maybe that doesn't happen. Um, he's probably not going to be a guy that you, you're going to expect him to give, you know, to push for that 200 innings. But uh, I certainly think he's somebody that, you know, he can, he limits hard hit rates. Uh, you know, I, I just think he would make sense too. again. I mean, you're, you're trying to, to look beyond, uh, that real high end and look a little bit more towards what's realistic for this team. Cause I don't think they need, because of the, the young guys they have, I don't think anybody you get, you want to, you know, look at is, is I love Marcus Stroman, right. But I, I don't know that you, if you're going to go three, four years on a Stroman, you know, what does that cost you in terms of, all right, Kyle Muller, Tuki Toussaint, Kyle Wright, you know, sorry guys, Mike Soroka, when he's back, we just don't have the rotation spot. So I, I would anticipate, what they do is probably going to be in the lower end and it may not be those moves that'll, you know, uh, light up a newsroom, but I certainly think uh, Pineda and gray would, would fit the molds of guys. It could be really nice supplements for what they already have. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Agreed. And I think that that's the key word here is supplements. A lot of these names we're mentioning, yes, there there are the Marcus Stromans. There are trades for the Brian Reynolds and things like that. These guys that would be major moves. But the thing is, is that the Braves already have a very good young core. A lot of what Anthopolis does, he's done a very good job of supplementing. Obviously, that's what he did at the trade deadline, Corey, bringing in Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, and Jock Peterson. But as you mentioned, likely seeing Jock Peterson move on. I think there's a good chance Jorge Soler and Eddie Rosario have some good markets develop as well. I feel confident that Adam Duvall will be back. So you've got a duo of Ronald Acuna Jr. and Adam Duvall that are trustworthy, a pretty good duo to start with. But you bring in a couple of names that I really think are fun that really also could have good value with the Universal DH likely coming into play next year and with the obvious uncertainty with the future of Marcelo Zuna. Mark Kenya, I believe it's Kenna, Kenya, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Obviously, a very good track record of offensive production in Oakland, but also Corey Dickerson, two names that can play the corners, but also could really deepen this lineup at the DH position if the Universal DH is there next year. Yeah, the one thing I think you have to consider with the outfield is how much are they willing to say that Christian Pache is ready? Because I think that changes everything, right? Because if, if he's not and you feel like you've got to go out and do something else in center field, then maybe you do enter that Starling Marte market. Maybe you do you know, get a little bit more aggressive or maybe you try to make a deal to swing for Byron Buxton and go for that you know, guy that could be a real high-end uh, you know, defensive player for you. But I, I think there's potential for them to get better in the corner spots with some you know, – because look, I mean, as much as we're talking about Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler, a year ago – talking about those two guys or six months ago you're kind of shrugging your shoulders saying okay I you know I know the name but he, he hasn't been he hasn't been playing all that well and I think you know with Mark Kana, I think the thing with him is that you know this is a guy that you know he's been extremely solid I mean that's that's the thing he's just in the same thing with Dickerson they're just solid players you know that kind of the last four years way to run creative pluses of 115 146 127 uh, 115 I mean he, he has a you know a high walk rate um, he's actually just right behind Freddie Freeman with walk rate uh, last year at 358 on base percentage uh, that ranked 14th in the AL among their qualified hitters. So uh, I think he just makes sense as a guy that's just in, if you need depth and you want to give Freddie Freeman a few days off every once in a while or get him in that D8 spot, he can also play first base. Obviously Dickerson is somebody that's, you know, all too familiar uh, to Braves fans having played for the Marlins, but um, this guy has been an above average hitter in seven of the last eight seasons. Uh, you know, he, he played really well uh, with the Blue Jays last year. He wasn't having a fantastic season with Miami, um, you know, but uh, I just think he's another guy that he'd be an economical pickup. He can play both corner spots. And you can, if you, even if you don't, even if you do feel like that Pache is the guy you want to go in center and you don't want to play him every day, but you got Adam Duvall who can play center. If you had a Mark Conda who can play center, I think there's enough ways to mix and match things where they don't have to swing for the fences uh, to upgrade that that uh, that outfield if, if you can't bring back Soler or Rosario. And Corey, speaking of these outfield targets, one other aspect that I think will likely play a factor in who exactly the Braves target to add to their outfield depth is options that can play center field. Listen, I know we talk about Adam Duvall and Ronald Acuna Jr. Yes, Adam Duvall did play a competent center field for the Braves during the playoffs. Ronald Acuna Jr. has played a competent center field in the past, but relying on Duvall to play center field for an entire season or relying on Acuna Jr. to play center field coming off an ACL injury neither one of those options really seem ideal. Even if the Braves do have faith in Pache's ability to handle handle center field duties at the major league level, I do think it makes some sense for the Braves to also go out and get a veteran piece that they somewhat reliably can put in center field for long stretches as well. I think that's a big part of it, right? Because I don't think you want to you want to add additional stress to come somebody coming off of a knee injury. And while I think Acuna can play center field every day and be an above average center fielder on an everyday basis. I just don't think you want to do that to him. I think we've seen him be so much more productive uh, in right field. And, and I've, you know, Brian Snickers told us many times, I mean, it just, they just feel like he has less to worry about when he's playing a corner spot. You just take something off of his mind where he doesn't have to, to mentally approach it the same way because there's just, there's just so much more that goes into it because you're basically trying to cover ground for two guys. Uh, to the sides of you, you're basically trying to quarterback that outfield. So I think taking that, you know, away from him is just to his benefit and the Braves' benefit. So 
Uh, you know, I think you, you would like to get a guy, you know, who could provide you with really strong defense uh, and prioritize that a little bit more because I think your offense, your, your lineup is so deep, you know, and the fact that you're going to more than likely have the designated hitter this next year. So you're not potentially losing two spots uh, in a lineup when you think about, you know, days when anybody at Max Farid is pitching in terms of what you have at the plate and in in potentially in a pitcher, I think, you know, to be able to just to be competent at the plate, competent more than anything else. But uh, I, I mean, it, is, is Pache competent right now? I mean, I think you saw him improve uh, at AAA, but sometimes, you know, is he a 4A bat? Is he a guy that's going to be able to be a consistent major league bat? I think that's the biggest question mark for this team. And then the last question I'll ask you is this. You hit on a couple of fun names as far as candidates go. John Means and Michael Fulmer. Now, of course, Fulmer, probably the more household name, though he has been the least productive pitcher of the two. Now he's in a relief role. But I'm asking you more than the players specifically. I think John Means is a very sensible player to go after, one that's controlled for multiple years. At what level do you think Anthopolis may go with a trade? Listen, we all would love to see that one big trade, that cost-controlled, difference-making type player that could you could add to the core going forward over the next few years. Do you feel that the Braves would go for a John Means or higher-level higher type player or maybe expand the opportunity of going after a Michael Fulmer and perhaps a Robbie Grossman from Detroit to be able to get you both an outfielder and a relief arm? At what level do you see the Braves really being motivated to make a move? I, I think this could be the year where we could see that significant trade. Yeah, I feel like we've been saying that for five years, right? I mean, as you think about you know John Copalella and retooling this, farm system and all we overheard from I mean, the words that the, the, the all we ever heard was prospect capital we're building prospect capital and they've yet to really spend on um, prospect capital i mean obviously bryce wilson you know was dealt um you know we've, we've seen you know uh, joey wentz dealt but we've not really seen anybody of, of major significance dealt where you thought okay man they're going all in to try to get this guy i think you know you're, you're to the point where you have enough question marks with the rotation. You don't know when Soroka is going to be back, and when he does get back, what, what, how, how long can you ride him uh, in a season? So I think you know if if you could get somebody controllable that feels like an upgrade over what you have in house, that's that to me is the biggest piece of it, right? I don't ever, I don't see them being in a position where you're looking to spend that prospect capital to go out and get somebody in the short term. But John Means, I mean, that guy's got three years of control left. I think that's why it gets so intriguing to be able to think about it, utilizing it to get him. I mean, obviously with Fulmer, you know, if you can get Grossman and you can take, you know, that additional piece off the table and, and feel like you've met both your needs with one move. Um, but, I, you know, I, is, it, is, is Fulmer better than what you already have potentially with, with Mueller, with Wright, with Tucson? I think Means is better than those three right now. I, I would do it for Means. I don't know that I would be willing to do it for a package deal with the Tigers. Um, but at some point you've got to do this because, it, it ultimately happens, and I forgot to mention Kobe Allard when you, when you think about, you know, high-end prospects as they've moved. There comes a point where that guy's value, you either have to – he's either sticking around long enough in the minors that nobody wants him because he's not been good enough to crack your major league roster, or you bring him up and everybody sees him, and now the, you know, the, the shine's kind of worn off. So I think that's the, the danger point that the Braves are in is eventually, eventually you're going to have to move some of these guys because just the fact that you don't have space – and the word kind of gets out that this guy may not be the viable major league product that we thought that he was. 
And I think you hit the nail on the head in your description I was about to come back with. It really comes down to the question, now that you know, I mean, obviously you're clearly in your title window. If you can get three years of certainty with John Means, if the difference between Moeller or Davidson to him is worth it to trade maybe one of them away with six years of control along with another prospect or two, yes, I do it all day long. Go after the certainty to add to your core and be good. And you're right. I'm someone who's been on record is saying when it comes to Christian Pache, I'm okay with the idea of potentially trading him in a deal to go get a you know difference-making controllable name because I feel like we're at that point with him. One more year of him not really adding value. Now you start to see his trade value from a prospect standpoint, you know, dive down a little bit. So I, I agree with you completely. It, it's certainly going to be a fun offseason. We've got about a week left before the, you know, a lot of things get uncertain when it comes to um, collective bargaining agreement and things like that, it's going to be a pretty fun active week, I would say, Corey, as far as baseball in general. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to feel like the doomsday clock ticking in the and you know in the Watchmen uh, over the next week. You know, just wondering, okay, are they going to get this thing done? Because I feel like we're we're headed towards a lockout, and I don't know how much you know we're going to see teams rush to get a move done, or how much you're going to see players rush to get something done with some uncertainty as in, in terms of you know, uh, how long they're going to have to wait. Because if there's a lockout and there's no player movement, some of these guys are going to not have, act, you know, they're not going to be, you know, they're going to know where they're going to be for months. So I think this is going to be a really interesting next week, uh, you know, in terms of, it may not be the Freddie Freemans, that you know, the the Trevor stories and, you know, Corey Seegers, uh, Carlos Correa, the guys of that ilk. But I would imagine a lot of mid-level, mid to low-level uh uh, free agents are going to be looking to get something done over this next week so they have some certainty going into their winter. And that's why we love having Corey on the show next time once for Freddie Freeman, because I know this is another interest of Corey and myself. Will Freddie Freeman sign with the Braves and remain more along the lines of Captain America, or will he go elsewhere and become more of the ilk of Icarus from Eternals? Corey knows what I'm talking about. All joking aside, I know Corey's a big superhero fan. But his name is Corey McCartney. been very kind to join us. We likely will have him again sometime this offseason. Corey, thank you so much for making the time to join us. And please plug all your great work that you've got going on with the offseason here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Grant and I will be coming at you all offseason long with uh, Battery Power. So you can find that on the Talking Chop YouTube channel. Of course, you can find uh, my work, uh, the Starting Nine Weekly, on TalkingChop.com. So make sure you check all that out. His name is Corey McCartney. If you've known him, if you've followed Brace for years, you know his great work from various outlets, but obviously to folks like him and Grant McCauley, as well as all of us here at the Talking Chop Podcast Network, it's just so much fun going into an offseason where instead of, yes, focusing on defending the title, it's a lot more fun to do that than figuring out how we're going to get there. For Corey McCartney, my name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Corey, where can folks find you one more time? Uh, you can find me on Corey J. McCartney on Twitter. That's right. I, I couldn't remember if it was C.J. McCartney or Corey J. McCartney, but Corey J. McCartney on Twitter, myself at StatsSEC, the podcast wherever it's available. Thank you so much for all your support, and we'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer. Daily Hammer.